This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. I'm really annoyed with you. There's no surprise. <laughs> I thought we could kick it off with a bit of a row. Well, we had the biggest row in a long time last week. We, we? did. Yeah, the Hunger Games row. But we'll yeah. tell you about that later. So that's what's inspired us for this week's talk. Is it ever okay to row in front of your well, kids? And because we did, and we did monumentally. And also, especially because we're all under extraordinary pressure, being in lockdown, close proximity, can't mm. escape. Everyone's rowing. To. More. I think you know. So if parents row, in fact, is it is it more of a pressure cooker trying? not to row in front of your kids and it causes a row so that's what we're chatting about suppression of emotions very dangerous morning oh god what's wrong with you I'm kind of dreading this conversation. Well, that's nice. I'm sure everyone's really dreading <laughs> listening to you now. Bloody hell. That's a nice cheery way. Someone said the other day, I like yeah. Nadia Sawala off the telly when she's off the telly. you this every time? But she's a bit depressing. You caught it this last week at the Don't beginning. Don't sit so far from the microphone. We are Sorry. in our, our own, I'm in my we mad bat cave of a man cave. If we suddenly go echoey, it's because I don't sit still when I'm not in the studio. The way you're going, we are going to have an enormous row. Uh-huh. And, that, and that is what this is about. Beautiful segue. A beautiful segue. Let's listen to the segue. There you go. It's very hard for Mark. He's very patient and I just want to sort of salute him for this. What? It's very, very difficult to do a podcast with a person like me because I do have... Is that yours? <laughs> Again? Yep, it really is. Mark, I'm you can't starving. do this every I, week. I can't. Try and have a sandwich before we start. <laughs> That's going to be all the way through no, now. Well, I know I'm going to try and use my arms to shield it. So what, patience? You have to salute, yeah, I salute you because I, because of my ADHD, I find it very difficult to sit still. So sometimes my voice comes in and oh out of the microphone God. and I, I already I'm itching. You but know, it's really even, frustrating because sometimes, can we double check that you're also recording? We are recording. Um, the other it's problem a bit like, like when I was at school and you'd sit on the itchy carpet. Yeah, but it's really, I know you can't, you say you can't help it and that's just a catch-all. I mean, if I was to say I just can't help being an annoying twat uh, in rows, you'd be like, well... Which is what you do do. Yeah, but that doesn't float, does it? It's not an excuse. It doesn't stop you rowing. Yeah, but it's not valid, is it? But I often sit here and you can sit opposite me and you're loving the conversation, but you look, you literally look like you're just waiting to get up. Because I've got an itchy... (laughs) Yeah, I know. I've got an itchy soul. No, but seriously, though, we, we jest... Um, it, we are uh, dreading this a bit because we will have to be rigorously honest. What difference is? <laughs> what change? Yeah. <laughs> I can't that, think of a time we haven't been rigorously no, but honest. But that's why podcasts are a very difficult thing to do yeah, sometimes so. because you can't really skirt around anything because then you have an, an empty conversation. Don't There's you? nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. So <laughs> yeah, and I think the thing is at the moment we we've had a week where we've had two horrible rows. Uh, uh, having had months of not what having was the other rows. one? Yesterday we had another oh, one. No, we really don't start it again. Oh I see the two oh the Hunger Games row. No. The row yesterday. Yeah I know but what's the over second the one? printer. What's the second one? That is the second one. What the was first, the first one? The Hunger Games. Right, okay, we'll explain to you the Hunger Games oh round a bit. Oh, my God. Uh, it's funny, actually, just before we start, I was at Loose Women yesterday and I was chatting and saying that Mark and I had had a massive row. You're going to have to turn your phone off. Babe. Is that me? You, but you, I mean, you work in broadcast and you can't do the simplest thing. very things. unusual. Sit on a chair or have a silent phone. That's what is very wrong unusual with you? for me. Very unusual. I'm not going to get it's over that. not unusual. Anyway, so, every, so they were saying, I said, oh, I had a massive row with Mark. This morning, and they were like, "What was it about?" And I looked at them. I thought, "I don't know." I said, "I think it was about the printer." And the girls were saying, the other women were saying, "Oh my god, that has been the lockdown rouse, hasn't it? You don't know where it's come from, but it suddenly goes like absolute wildfire." I can't remember what we rowed about. Well, it doesn't matter. You keep I saying think... the printer, but 
Well, we, yeah. we were by the printer. Oh, But yes. the thing is... <laughs> it wasn't about... I've never known as Rao, about a printer. Oh, it was by it, the printer. Do you identify a no, Rao by was, geographical location? No, but it was me asking if you could print something off and you go, ah. I'm writing. Like, but anyway, Let, let's not start oh, again. Oh, God. But the point is that it was quite interesting for me watching people say that they were rowing in this way like it had never happened before. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think, if we're honest, for the first few years of our marriage, our rows were absolutely awful, oh, God, toxic, yeah, yeah. disgusting, disgraceful. I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed that sometimes the girls were right. Maddie was right. Yeah. in front of those rows. She was right there. She saw them and we were rowing over her head. Yeah. A lot of the time we would do it like once she was asleep and we'd have massive rows and I'm sure somewhere in her sleep she would wake up to those rows. And I have real guilt about that. I do have real guilt about that. But I think we've worked hard over the years to change our rowing well, can patterns. I, and can I suggest that perhaps we do that thing that we often do, mm. which is we scroll back in time. And we talk about our own relative experiences of rowing and rows. Yeah, because uh, this podcast is about whether it whether it's ever okay to row in front of children. Yeah. So maybe if we talk about what yeah. it felt like as kids. And also it's not just about whether it's right or wrong to row in front of children. Mm. All parents at some point, and I think we have to let parents off the hook here, do not feel you're a failure if you have rowed in front oh, of your children. God. All parents will at some point row in front of their kids. I think the, the bigger overarching issue around this is that, of course, because we've been in this strange enforced lockdown, yes, it's beginning to loosen at the edges, yes, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I do think uh, grown-ups, parents have been put under extraordinary duress and even, you know, I'd characterise us as getting on really well. You know, but, you know, and also there's, of course, naturally, there's the extreme end, which we're hearing loads of reports about, about domestic abuse and and children that are vulnerable children. Um, you know, this is no laughing matter. There's a very serious component to this. But there is also that other component, which is just parents that are, you know, itchy, scratchy, rowing, moody. So we're going to hear from the, mm. the teens later in this because... Yeah, and there's so many different categories yeah. to discuss as well, isn't it? There's there's the row that it just, just, it just inflamed and it just yeah. kicks off. And then there's the rowing, the constant rowing. There's the nagging and niggling yes. rowing. I mean, there's lots to cover here. Yeah. Um, but did you did you grow up in an environment of of regular rowing or, or, or seeing or hearing your parents? I grew up in an environment... I mean, I had a, I had a lovely childhood... Um, but I have a volatile family. You know, very quickly things could go... I mean, just actually, just the fact that my father's Arabic and that we didn't speak Arabic, we'd often think rows were kicking off, but they weren't. They were probably talking about the gorgeous lamb they'd had last Sunday. (laughs) And if only they were having lamb again this Sunday. Right. You know, so there was a... There was... I wasn't... I wasn't scared of loud voices. Yeah. And bombastic sort of behaviour. Because I know some people, friends of mine through life, that, that literally can't take any shouting at all because they never had any volume yeah. when they were growing up and it's extremely disturbing to them. And around must mean that it's the end of a relationship and the end of everything, if yeah. two people argue, because they hadn't seen that. And I was very much arguing as part of being a family and, you know... Um, I have to say a lot of the arguments through my life in my family have been very unsatisfactory because... I think in my family, we tend to blow about the opposite stuff from the stuff we actually should be blowing up about or talking right. about. I would so that's say that's, been a, and I would concur with that as an outsider. None of you actually talk about the stuff that you need yeah, to talk about, but you argue difficult. about other stuff. Yeah, and I, and I think I, <laughs> I think really want to talk about the stuff and it's yes. just like, no, that can't be talked about, but something really small could ignite a massive flame and we could argue about that so you know i think arguing is a very complex thing for all 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 human beings and what is the right way i mean the right way the right way to argue is to have out what you're feeling yes maybe sometimes your voice gets a little raised if you're feeling passionate but then you get to a place where you sit down you discuss it and you work it out but that sort of and i think all the other stuff around it can be very upsetting but sticking, very sticking with our childhood i mean you, you know so was your dad or your mum so no one was more of a rat it wasn't a particularly rowy environment but but no but the couple of times that i did hear my parents having a row i found it very upsetting right, right. and i didn't like it yeah 
I remember running up the stairs because I could hear that there'd been a row. My mum was upset. Yeah. And then going up on my mum saying, I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine. And that was right. it. Yeah. And I think just being told that you're absolutely fine, when a child just being told they're absolutely, the parent is absolutely fine, I think is more worrying, really, mm. than somebody saying, well, actually, no, we've we've... We've had a terrible round. I'm really pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm th- crying out of frustration. But maybe that's something to talk about yeah, further yeah. through the conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just trying Let's... to get a portrait of what what your your the environment yeah. of your childhood was. So if there was the occasional row, it was always distressing because it was very infrequent, I suppose. I mean, you know, for my, for me, I grew up with my mum and I was co-parented by my grandparents, for listeners who haven't heard us talk about this before. Um, and, I mean, you know, we know this. This is very well-trodden territory for us. I mean, my childhood was littered with I mean my first memory was a physical fight between my mother and my father actual birth father um and how old were you I must have been two one and a half two it's very young I mean it's a vivid memory um and I mapped out the room and everything and my mum kind of reluctantly concurred in 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 later age um I also wonder if that's why you have such a vivid memory vivid memory well they do say trauma yeah because because in that moment that would have been very very scary can you imagine the heat and the adrenaline in that room i do remember and i remember the i remember the physicality of it too i remember the the threat between them all um and it was very violent between the two men uh my father and my mum's who she was having a fling with this was before my mum came out as gay i'm saying all of this because it's all relevant but you know so through my childhood though it was an incredibly volatile childhood and there was probably not a day that didn't go by without a row I mean, not a day. With, between? Between adults, between my mum and mm-hmm. her, whatever partner she was with at the time. Um, you know, and mom, I've talked to my mum about this, so she won't mind me sort of, you know, uh, betraying her confidence in a sense. But, you well, know, you're not betraying her confidence. Well, no, but I mean, many of those rails had an extraordinarily um, violent, uh, you know, hue to Skew. them. <laughs> and And the violence was uh, cataclysmic. I mean, it was, I mean, I'm not trying to, sort of dramatise it. It was horrific and it was incredibly discomforting and jangling and, you know, what you just said then is curious. It kind of, kind of had a bit of an epiphany because on the one hand, I was one of those kids for whom silence was a really important thing because I would play quietly. I mean, look at my, my playroom. You know, I'd play quietly on my own and I'd be very self-sufficient. And I realise in retrospect now, just as you were saying that, that a lot of the time I was in my room wasn't because I was told to go to my room, wasn't because I just wanted to play. And I was told told to go to my room sometimes and I did just want to play and I was an only child. But actually, a lot of the times I was thinking about it, I was in, in my room to avoid the anger and the row and the conflict that was kicking off somewhere. I remember... It's strange, isn't it? Because when I think of your nan, your nan who I adored... She had a lot of anger and rage in her. Well, as I was well, about to say there was a different type of anger. Yeah. So I had this going on at home, and there was an incredibly angry and resentful grandmother at the other end. Now, don't get so, me wrong. So is that where your mum got it from? Well, then? yes. It, mm. Eruptions of fury. Eruptions of. I mean, she had a very, you know, without going into a complete family tree, but her and my nan had a terribly sort of vicious and violent. I mean, angry sort of teenage mum relationship. So you had this going on in London, and often a lot of the arguments, and this is key, I think, for what we discuss later, a lot of the arguments I know because I heard and I remember were often revolved around me and the fact that she had <clears throat> had a child, and I would often hear, you you know, all those things that you hear, you've got a fucking kid and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of felt part of the problem. And so I learned to kind of turn off. And I and I, I think I had part of that personality, which was like, I don't want the shock of it. But I had become so used to it that it was like the sort of bombardment of war. It was like, you know, artillery fire in the background all the time. And I mean, there were times where knives were pulled out, you know, knives were held at throats. And this carried on, you know, I could be, I could, I'd like to think that it was awful up until the age of 11, but it carried on until I was a teenager, where I used to get between my mum and her girlfriend when I was 16, 17. And of course, at this point, I was a grown man. And it was weird, I got the full sense of my physicality as a man. And again, this is important, again, in terms of how we row as parents and how a man's voice and a man's body is a very different prospect. I kind of had no awareness of my maleness until the point that I separated my mum and her partner in a number of fights. Um, And I remember throwing, you know, one of them or both of them down the end of the kitchen and separating them and stuff like that. Um, And it it was like a moment in the Hulk where I was like, fucking hell, 
I have a strength that I wasn't even aware of. And around women, it's a real strength. And, you know, and I was mm. doing it to protect my mum. Um, so I saw an extraordinary amount of anger and violence and upset. And it was incredibly normal to me. And yet at the same time, I, as a parent, wanted to inflict upon myself an absolutely strident refusal to row. And I think what probably happened in my life at some point was, like all parents, I did row. And I beat myself up mm. for the rest of my life after that first time I maybe lost my shit or lost my temper or whatever. Now, I have a much longer fuse than my mum, but when I go, I go like my mum, and I hate that. And I think in a man, that's a really difficult thing. And then, you know, and the other thing I was it's just It's interesting because the few times I've seen you and your mum blow at each other, you're identical. Yeah. It's like yeah. watching, it's like there's a mirror between it's you. It's horrific. You do it's it horrendous. exactly the but same But my mum will go like that still to this day. She can go to that place yeah. so quickly. It's under the surface. It's just there. And for me, it takes time. It takes time. It takes time. And as a child, it would take time. It would take time. And then you would have this. And I, you know, I remember. But, and so, yeah, so I had my nan. And my nan was a different kind of very, she was a safety. She was a safe haven if you like in my childhood but even with her it was always her fury at my dad and the interesting thing was i experienced not, not zero, your dad your my dad granddad. is what i call my granddad yeah, yeah. i had i experienced zero I had zero experience of male anger as a child mm. none my granddad never spoke but there was a different sort of anger. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I that's gather, a different kind of anger. But isn't that interesting? That, I never that, witnessed. Yeah, so I got, I had nothing to check, and I wonder whether that would have helped with my own anger management in rows because I never had any grown man to to bounce off of, to have a row with, to see them get cross with me or get cross with a with a woman. So I wonder I, if you learn suppression from him, and then. Expression, uh, and then, an expression then, then from my, my mum and, and yeah. man. Because I do think we're quite similar like that. I do sit with stuff for a long... I, I sit with stuff for a long time and like my dad. Yeah. I'm very like my dad. And then when I blow, I really blow. There's, I cannot stop that blow. No. It's just once once it's gone to that tipping point, it's, it's gone. And it's an awful thing. It's an awful thing to have that kind of temper because... It's so hurtful to yourself and to everyone around you. And, yeah, it's it, it hurts the person who's doing it as well, much as the, the person that's the that thing. And I think I realised very early on, and let's not forget, I've also got two other daughters, and I, I do remember having rows with, with Izzy's mum. And, and, and it was just, I did not like... I, there was a, as a parent, and I don't think any other parents feel this, I felt almost like I had no say in a part of me that had been buried within it was like i i you know when that temper and that anger and i i did row in front of my precious children they're all as precious as each other to me and i never wanted to inflict what i went through on my children to think that i could perhaps have the temper of my mother i mean mm -hmm. to this day Whilst there's the obviousness, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, the obviousness of having a row and how awful any parent feels about it having spilled out in front of their kids, I always end up going to a much, much worse place, which is why I know, and you know, things are said in rows like, you know, oh, well, you know, Maddie didn't like it because you raised your voice. It cuts me so much deeper than it would normally, I, I think, because I'm, I, because I, I can just literally step out of myself and into the past and back into that absolute horror. I mean, horror of all of that. And I think there's another reason why I stopped drinking. Sorry, this is because, I mean, this is, I suppose, if we're talking about rows, we are going to talk about all this other surrounding stuff. And that's another component of stopping drinking, another component of trying to remove the triggers and the ease with which rows and anger happens. And I'm sure a number of rows happening in coronavirus, during coronavirus, lockdown. I can tell you for a fact, guys, alcohol doesn't help rows. Just doesn't. This nonsense belief that alcohol is going to somehow, you know, soften the blow or soften it does not. It amplifies problems and it encourages total misreadings of the situation. Um, so, yeah, so my background was an incredibly, incredibly volatile um, and very traumatic, very traumatic uh, childhood. And and so there's that component for, for when we, we have a row, but it's usually after the event. And, you know, when we get into a row, there's nothing worse, is there? Mm. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, that was all a bit weird going back through all that. Oh, take a moment. For sure, when when I first knew you and you were still drinking, you were 
your temper, you are not able to control that temper. Mm. Um, I wonder what happens in an anger management course where you learn how to control it because sometimes I think that I would like to do that because I don't like being a victim of my own temper when I flip because my um, my flip mode doesn't need alcohol to flip my flip mode can just be because I just and I think it's the same for so many of us it's certainly the same for you I think when we have a row it's like the other each one of us doesn't feel like the other one's heard us so you go to the place of deep rage and the place where you've suppressed whatever you've suppressed into your gut yeah. and you pull it up and it's like fire and brimstone. And it's funny because often when I've spoken about this on, on, on Loose Women, people look at me like I'm completely mad because I always assume that everybody's like this, but everybody is not. No, I know. I mean, everybody is not. When I say, oh, yeah, and I'll say, da, 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 slam the door and they're like, oh, my God, and you stay together. Well, yeah. We stay together and we've had rows like that maybe a hundred times. Yeah. Maybe a hundred times. Is that us that's strange or do you just know some really boring people? Now, you see, I think this is this is the key <laughs> to where your childhood has been very damaging, is that you see the op- the opposite of that as boring. No, I don't mean boring like one should aspire I, to No, rowing, no, but you but the do... idea that you just, every single emotion is managed and... And sort of, you know, got a neatly trimmed lawn and a little picket fence around every emotion you feel. It's just not a. You're is not that a the human. only? Is that the only two options? Isn't no, there somewhere in the not. middle no, of, of that? Not, but I mean, I would prefer someone in the middle of that. I got, what I what I wouldn't want to be is the sort of person where you can hear the the clock ticking and and just you know the shuffle of the feet or the little click clack of the knife and fork on the plate. Well, that's what where I actually got. what you want what, that's what, what I got you on think my is these two people need to have a bloody row. Yeah. I wouldn't like to be like that. But I would I wish and we have. I mean we've changed massively to how we were years ago. But I just wish we could talk things get to a point where we just go, just stop, this is gonna go somewhere now. And why can't we just veer it the other way and sit down and actually have a conversation about that which mostly we do now yeah. eight times out of ten we would do that whereas maybe before eight times out of ten we'd have had an argument so that's a good flip over but I still I hate it and I hate us I hate us as a couple when we argue like that I just I feel such a a loathing for who we are and I feel like we're so toxic and that as a parent feels really scary and dark and lonely and frightening and i i I thank god that we are also the sort of couple that within 24 hours we're going to have made it up we're going to laugh about it we're going to move on and i think about and it's so toxic for the kids and i feel guilty and all of that and i think we're always equally to blame but i would but what what i I suppose what I would like to share on this podcast is that we've worked incredibly hard to get to flip that round to yeah. eight times out of ten we sit down and talk about it. And yeah. and I'm feeling for maybe young people that might be listening to this and are still maybe in a living under the roof of something that you might have discussed, Mark, or or what we, you know, would say about our own relationship. And hopefully... Hopefully, as we have this discussion, as we come up with the answers we found, it will actually be really good for us too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in terms to of... To remind ourselves, what are the answers that we've learned? Well, I mean, we always profess that we are confessing our sins as parents. We're, ne- mm. we're never professing solutions. And, you know, insofar as we are confessing our sins, I mean, I do think there'll be a lot Except of... sometimes when one confesses one's sins, one does find the solutions well yeah exactly and i think that's the merit in doing what we're doing but i mean um i mean if i look back at at arguments and i think of what kicks in for me and i suppose i'm thinking you know on the one hand i want to help the child that i was and the teenager that i was if they're witnessing an argument and i know for a fact that a huge component of most of the rows that really frightened me was where drug or drink was a component in it 
Um, so, you know, that raises a whole different conversation about if you're in a household of drinkers as a child, as a teen, I would encourage all teenagers to, to, to get in touch on, online. Yeah, there's yeah. adult there's children. There's adult children, but there's also, there's also children. children of alcoholic parents. Yeah, and to really reach and out. And these are charities and mm. therapy groups and 12-step recovery groups for children who struggle. And, and ironically, when I look back, my first ever experience of a 12-step program, and, and I only remembered this the other day, was when I was a student in London, having come back from Canterbury, and I, that, I went to a meeting of one of those. And I, I, of I, adult children uh, of alcohol. Well, it was adult to. children, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was just quite... But I was barely an adult myself, but it was, quite, it was a very rewarding and comforting thing. What was the catalyst for you going to that then? I would, well, for some reason, I was. I think I. I think back then, I was worried about my drinking. I was worried that I was drinking for all the wrong reasons because I think, as simple as I was back then, what kept coming up was resentment, resentment of my mother, and resentment mm. of what I went through as a child. Mm. And and I think and I think going back to what I was just saying, a genuine fear. And I think it's important for teens and kids. You know, on the one hand, I'd say I, I would say, remember your parents are just humans. You know, your parent. You know, sometimes parents can come under the cosh, and there's so many angles on this. It could we could almost merit another chat because there's the rows that we have in front of our children. There's the rows that we have about our children, um, and there's and and then there's rows that, we have with our children. Yeah, with our children, <laughs> and then there's also rows that are damaging and the rows that aren't damaging. And insofar as you know, as kids, I think kids sometimes need to be reminded that their parents are just. Adult children. Adult children themselves. And I think for me, a lot of my healing I've done about my mum at that time when I was just a little boy was I remind myself, my God, she was 23, she was yeah, 24, she was, she was 25, kid. she was a kid herself. What the hell did they know? What did she know? What did, you know? And and so, you know, there's that. But if there is drink or if there is drugs involved, reach outward from the family yeah. is my recommendation. Contact do not, child line. Yeah. Mm. Do not reach inward. Do not reach towards the parents because... I, I for sure didn't try, but I for sure didn't feel like I could try mm. at all. What uh, would we, have happened if you'd sat your mum down and said, listen, this rowing is 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 hurting me, it's upsetting me? She'd I have can't. been horrible. She'd have just been horrible. I mean, she wasn't nice in that regard. Mm. It, 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 you know, she, it, you know, I don't want to go into that in too much detail, but I mean, mm. that kind of... It, well, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't available. Yeah, it wasn't that available. language wasn't there. It just yeah. wasn't a thing. Um, well, this language has only come really. Yeah. I mean, we, our generation of parents is... Uh, yeah. My mum would have been this. I could never yeah. have sat down and said to my mum, listen, can we just discuss I, the way things are going? Yeah. I don't feel too happy about it. I mean, some other, some other strategies that we've used, and I'm sure these will spark other the things that you you want to comment on and I'm only rattling through them because they've come to me and I think they're really useful is that you know at the point that we hit upon the importance of you know if a row is brewing I still to this day try and leave the house as quickly as I can because and that's not because I, I can, I'm worried I can't control myself but there is an element of I know these conspire this can spiral fast and one of the real problems with lockdown when we had a row much earlier on in lockdown is there was nowhere to fucking go and you know it's a real it's a real constraint it's a real claustrophobic mm. so i can see how tempers have got frayed i can see how this current climate has really challenged parents but where you and can and i think even when you're getting on well just to have no time in a quiet house on your own yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in wherever you live is very it's very difficult it's very mm. testing yeah. so even people that have never rowed are rowing now yeah yeah absolutely because not having that space to just have take a minute yeah. how am i feeling what am i thinking and oh, the thing that so often hard. prevents couples from or parents from not say one going away or one walking off not and, and here's the really important thing guys because maddie Maddie talked to me about this recently, and it was very funny. It was around our Hunger Games round, which I'm sure we'll touch upon later. Um, she said, "Dad, do you remember when you were young, when we when we were younger? We always knew that when you and Mum had had a row, we wouldn't really we'd, we'd be aware that a row had happened, but you would always be gone, and it used to really scare us." She's like, where's dad gone? And you said, because as kids, we hear stories of the dad went to buy a loaf of bread and they never came back. <laughs> And so what became the sort of strap line that we used in the family was dad's gone to go and get some Diet Cokes <laughs> <laughs> or to get a drink, not an alcoholic drink, but to go and get something. And so the other day I went out and there was nowhere to go and I just got in the car and she said, she said she looked out of the window and she said it was really funny because I could just see you sitting there and all I could see were your legs and you didn't know what to do. She said you turned the car around in the drive 
And then she said, you just sat there. <laughs> and, Shame and, you hadn't sat there for a bit longer. All right, OK. But I mean, you know, so it's really important. So going back to that. So, you know, walk, leaving is good, but make sure you don't leave without the kids knowing that you're coming back or that there's some mm. line that I think we hit upon that. You said, don't worry, it does just gone to get a drink. They knew that that was a lot. This is a kind of, we're trying to chill out. It's a timeout. It's a moment for us to all just, you know, diminish it. Now, that doesn't work all the time at all. And I mean, else- I, think, I think what would have been the best thing always with that when it's clear there was a row, take, for instance, Hunger Games the other day, <laughs> would be for whoever's left the house to text the kids and say, listen, I'm just around the corner. Because this is a lesson in yeah. teaching children how to take a moment yeah. when they're older and say, I've lost my temper, your mum's lost her temper or whatever, whatever yeah. way around, we've both lost our temper. The best thing in this situation for us is just to go away, have a bit of a breath, think about where we might be, where we could reach out to each other and da-da-da, and then they're not scared. They're not scared about where you, what's going to happen. I agree. Are you, because last week when you left, <laughs> she was giggling, but she went, Daddy really did make the wheels squeal when he went out of the drive. So she was obviously worried. There was a bit of worry there, like, have you driven too fast? Have you done this? Have you done that? So I think it's, I think, well, let's move on to what, how, how good or bad we think it is for children. I think all those things, the little details that we can forget, make a huge impact on a child. I really do believe that it's okay to row in front of your children sometimes. Sure. Rarely is better. But I think the important things are that they're not scared as to where it's going to end up. You're not going to say, I fucking hate him and I'm going to leave him. (laughs) All of that sort of stuff. Um, Have you ever said that to the girls? You don't know what you've said in that. I've said before, at the moment, I feel like I really, really hate Daddy. (laughs) But you know and I know that I love Daddy. But at the moment, I hate. Because I actually do think that that's okay to say. Do you know, I've never said said a word. I've never said something like that As long as you say, as long as you say. I mean, I have hated you. As long as you say, it's rather like when you say to kids, I don't like your behaviour. You're not saying you don't like them, but you're saying you don't like the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I so that. because I'm standing there like upset, you've gone, I'm raging. What am I going to do? Stay there and sit and stand there and go, no, I really like Dad. I'm going to say at the moment, I really hate everything yeah. that's going on. But you know us, we're going to work it out. Yeah. We'll probably end up laughing about it. Yeah. I think that is a positive thing to do with a child. Yeah. Because I, what I didn't like was when my parents rowed, and oh, I'm fine. Was like I'm not fine. So that really scares me. I can see you're not fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not stupid. Yeah. It's a bit. It's it's a little bit like what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when we were saying, is it okay to cry in front of your children? Yeah. You know, dabbing a tissue in the corner of your eye, saying I'm fine, I'm fine, is actually scary. Well, yeah. So it's okay to say we've had a stupid row. I don't even know what we were rowing about. I think another thing to do is to say. It's nothing serious. It's both of us being complete idiots. Mm. Do you, another thing I say sometimes, because don't forget, it's usually you that leaves. So I, so it's usually me that gets asked the question. Not, I'm not saying that's a bad. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if I could drive, it would probably be me that leaves. Um, so I will give them these explanations. I will say, listen. You two have massive rows sometimes. Yeah. What does it mean? Does it mean you don't love each other? Mm. No, it means that sometimes. We things build up between two people and they have an argument. It's always better if you can sit down and talk it out. But hey, just sometimes humans and can don't I, behave exactly how they should. And can I also sort of recommend that there's the there's the intensity of a row happening and obviously that you, you've just described, you know, if I'm out and the girls sort of ask a question or they wonder what's going on. It's really, really, really important. One of my biggest Achilles heels is that if I feel an injustice in a row, I can't let go until I feel that injustice has been heard. And that's what can prolong a row. And what, the most important thing you mustn't do is however right either one in the party of in the argument feels. However, right you are in the argument. You know, if an objective person, a judge came in and went, oh, absolutely, Nadia Sabola, actually, you're right about everything. It's really, really, really important. And I remember having a very drunk mum that used to come in all the time and bemoan what had been happening, and I just didn't know what the fuck she was talking about. And, and it's really important you don't, 
try and justify your side of the argument to any of your children after the event, regardless of what's going on. You know, you have to sit down. If you're going to sit down with the kids, you sit down together and you show that you've made up. I remember when my nan and granddad had one huge row, which is all I remember on their side, though Nan had a huge temper. She was furious about everything all the time. In fact, most of her temper was directed towards me. Um, but when they had one huge row, because it was always simmering, I I was so traumatised by things going on in London, I screamed at them both, my granddad, bloody hell, uh, got them into the side piece, and I said, please, 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 this is the only place where the two people, where people, grown-ups, aren't having a fight all the time. Can mm. you make up? And I saw them hold hands. It's the only time I ever remember Aww. my nan and granddad holding hands. And I felt like I made that happen. Aww. And, you know, it's really key, I think, that you both, as parents, you, you know, and if you're a bloke and you, you, your wife's a nutter like mine, just dust yourself down. And if she, even if you're right, and even if you're being totally better sold to apart... Better to be kind than me right. Better to be kind than right. Brilliant, brilliant quote. Well remembered, Jeff. I think also, and I think this is sometimes where, where we get into such a fog I think you can't always get one person to agree you have to say yeah we are not going to agree on this and we just have to agree to disagree yeah. because sometimes our rows have gone on so much longer because each one of us is trying to make the other one yeah. agree with what we're saying just go we're not going to agree yeah. and that can be the end of a row it doesn't have to feel like the only way this row is going to be made up is if I get you to agree with me yeah. And I think that's the massive disconnect that goes on between yeah. two people. You can almost get you can almost get lost in the battle. You, you've got the adrenaline and the cortisol of the battle, and actually you can defuse it by just going, well, "It's okay." He actually, I mean, the row we had the other day. I, I thought, well, I can see why he feels the way he does. I I can understand why I feel the way I feel. Well, we are <laughs> not going to make the other one agree with the way we no. feel so we've got to say we feel differently yeah and i think that's the really difficult thing about sometimes being married is like everyone has to feel like we all feel in and think exactly in the yeah, same yeah, way yeah. No, you're absolutely right. no you're absolutely right but uh, an, an added component if you can listener have a row with your wife dressed as the lead actress from the hunger games it it, it adds a completely different frisson to the entire proceedings because we were all running around like characters from ハンガーゲームズ。ウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィウィ
you were right, actually, yeah. and yeah. I've learned something from you. So I do say that to them if we've if if I've had disagreements with them, but I don't ever say it. I'll never go up to them and say, "Oh, I had that argument with Daddy, and he was right, and I was wrong." I don't do that. Yeah, I know. I know you would never do that. No, I would never no. do that. Yet you actively ask me to do that sometimes. Oh, when, except when, when, when I am more than happy, more than willing, in my own way. And the other thing, parents, hang actually, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, fathers and mothers. At this point, I am sitting on this firmly the side of the fathers. Do not be entirely told how to go about diffusing and, you know, rectifying and apologising to your kids. Don't be told there's only one way to do it and this is the way to do it. Be confident, be male in your own male, male way and be a dad in your own daddy way. Just go up to them and say, look, you know what? I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, I don't know, thrown the cricket bat at your mother or I shouldn't have done X, Y or Z and all this kind of stuff. He's never thrown a cricket no, bat at me. But I mean, you know what I mean? But, you know, do take, do take your own line because I do think sometimes mothers, and I hate to say this, and this might be something worth talking about, mothers, a lot of mums do think that they're the only ones that know best for their kids. And it's not true. I think why that's happened more often with us is because you usually leave when we have an argument. I've usually heard what they're thinking and what they're feeling. So I would give you direction. Right. But I a... think you're very good at actually. I don't I don't think I have to tell you exactly because actually I think you're really good. And I, one thing I always say to the girls is, I said, what's brilliant about your dad? Your dad can do like outrageous things, but he's always willing to say sorry and to laugh at his own madness. So I say that all the time when you're not there and they know that I respect and admire that. So just in case you didn't know that. But um, what were we saying just before that? Oh, think about the time when I fell down the stairs, you know, when I got when I was really drunk and my eyelashes were stuck on the front doors. How much did I apologise to the girls and to you? And I apologised over a period of a year. I've apologised over and over again in front of them to you. No, no, that was a, yeah, it was. No, so if I really, that. really feel I'm wrong, I will apologise, yeah. but I will not do a fake apology. And through our marriage, sometimes your fake apologies have been worse than the row. Because this go, is not an go, opportunity go, to resurrect you go, conflict. You go, you go. Look, I'm sorry. Let okay. it lie. Let it lie. You go, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. And that inflames me all over again. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it was really funny. Actually, I had to call Lisa this morning, my friend, who is the mother of Carlitos, who contributes every week to this podcast, and said, are you okay with us uh, asking him how he feels about you rowing? <laughs> she goes, yeah, just don't ask him about the rows I have with him. So... Let's have a listen. Um, Lisa's feeling pretty confident here. Ooh. Let's let's hear what Colitas has to say. Usually, arguments have little or no negative effects on children, but when parents argue in front of teenagers, that's when it becomes an issue because teenagers have that train of thought of an adult. They have the same one because we're going through puberty, meaning we're getting all the adult emotions and we're... We know right from wrong and we understand situations a lot, lot more. Um, so when parents have arguments, we don't want to be involved, but we know exactly what's going on. We could be there to help. We could be there to give a, a third opinion or a second opinion or whatever. Um, but we, we do get more and more worried even when parents have arguments because as teenagers, you understand that your parents will get a divorce where children don't. You understand the, you know, the damage that it could do to a relationship. Um, yeah, and so that's why we, we carry more and more stress with us. But also, um, I think that parents giving each other silent treatment and things like that, I think that's immature and can have more of an effect as well because you're just supposed to be mature about it. My parents, for example, they never give each other the silent treatment. I've, I've never really heard them argue intensely in, in front of me and my brother um, because they're really mature about it. They're really... If they just let it go, if it doesn't matter, they just let it go because it's not worth their time. Um, and I think that's the right way to be. I think if it's not important, then just let it go. Because if it won't matter in a year, let it go. Um, yeah, and they they like peace. It's nice to have peace in the house because 
I think that if there's if you're in your own home and there's not peace, then it's it's just it's not a good situation. Wow! Mm. If it's not important to you in a year, let it go. Yeah, I suppose the difficulty. It's better that. to be right than be kind. I said, yeah, no, absolutely, and I think he's right. I think no, that... better to be kind than be right. No, but I think I think what he says is a really valid point. But therein lies, you know, it's mm. it's the detail. The devil's in the detail, isn't it? Because mm. of course we can all, with the benefit of hindsight, look back and go, "Well, that was utterly pointless." But at the mm. time. It's it that's everything. how rows happen because they 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 sort of snowball, don't they? Mm. But it's interesting that he said he doesn't think it affects children. It's yes. teens because yes. we know what the consequences could be. I wonder yeah. if that's just a boy's perspective. Yeah, thing. maybe I if that's a gender thing. Or but I know what he means. Thing. I sort of I know what he means by peace. I felt sort of benignly uh, jealous of his description of the piece because that was what I was desperate for as a mm. kid. And I think there must be many children. You know, there's nothing louder in a house than the hum of unease between two mm. people. It can be, I mean, between my nan and my, my nan and my grandfather, definite. it was so unbearable, the atmosphere at times. It was mm. just electric and one would tiptoe. And, you know, you literally, I'd, I'd, I mean, if I had the, if I could travel back in time, I probably thought to myself, have a row, scream. Just this, this constant sort of breathing. But you'd make them not to. No, I did because it was so much and so traumatic, but it just shows you, doesn't it? Neither one is right, but equally... So I mean, middle ground. Yeah, quite middle nice. ground. Sometimes yeah. have a bit of a row, sort it out, but yeah. screaming matches, storming off and frightening yourself and your children cannot be healthy. But a lovely thing you said there, which I thought was a really nice thing to say and a really important thing to say, which is, you know, sometimes parents out there, perhaps your teenagers hold the key to a solution. Yeah. You know, we often, I think, think we, we mustn't involve we the kids. Because it's not fair on them. Yeah, but, but maybe, maybe, yeah, it's a really... It's a really radical... We can have a bit of a think about that yeah. one, Carlitos. Yeah, really clever, different, alternative thought. Because our Why immediate... Not? response is oh god we couldn't do that that's not fair on them and yet they're in the atmosphere of yeah, the row they're yeah, hearing they're the row really. but they're all right for all of that but they're yeah. not yeah because it must be really frustrating for them sometimes they must just think listen why can't i'm sure You're maddie and kiki this. i'm sure maddie and kiki go off and go oh can't they just see da, da, da. well i think they feel they can say that to me they worry about saying it to you though mm. <laughs> she didn't really hear what i said i did and that's why I'm, will this annoy me in a year? Yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we have a listen to what Maddie has to say? Oh, my God, sure do we have gonna, to? I'm, I'm sure she's going to, not that in a horrible way, but I, I fear we may get thrown under the Can bus Can we here. just say that we deleted it by accident? Uh, no, I'm looking at it here. Oh, God. Um, yeah, God. sorry, guys. So, let's have a listen to what Ma oh Maddie has to say God. about rowing parents. Um, so, so, I think it is good for parents to fight in front of their kids sometimes you know the fight i don't mean like if it were to be really serious no you know physical fights and all of this but i think it's good sometimes for parents to fight in front of their kids but only if the kids kind of see the makeup as well because then i feel like it can it would stress the kid out or you know make them think that they're not going to make up or it, it, i can imagine it being quite stressful so i think it's good that if a parent parents are to fight in front of their kids that they also make sure that they make up in front of them as well um, I mean, our, our parents, they don't fight very often. I mean, they when, when I was younger, they used to fight quite often, but it was just like, kind of like, they get, they'd annoy each other over a long period of time and then just blow up at each other. And they always made up with one another, you know, in front of us. And I always see as, like, parents fighting in front of their kids kind of a good thing because I've always seen my parents make up after. I think the longest they haven't made up is, like, it's been till the next day and then they've managed to sort it out for me and Kiki. Um, but I, I, I remember the first time that uh, my parents, like, had a... The first fight that I can remember when my parents were really shouting at each other and I think I was... I must have been about... Oh, maybe five? And I was watching Ice Age with um, uh, my... Like, my older sister, Fleur, and my dad had been in the room with us and he always did this thing with Ice Age, you know, the beginning part of all the Ice Age films with the squirrel. My dad always used to pause the film and it was like a really funny shot of his face, you know, like 
the squirrel's face all messed up. And he was in the room doing that with me and Fleur. And then my mum called him down and he went downstairs. And I don't know, I, I don't remember what this argument was about. Then I just remember them like shouting at each other. And I was just like, what's going on? I mean, Fleur didn't know what was happening and then looked out the window and Dad had just like, was just driving off. And I, was, I remember me and Fleur getting really worried. We were like, oh my God, what if Dad, what if Dad crashes because he's angry? But that was, that was the first time they had an argument. And then Dad came back like, about 15 minutes later and they kind of like managed to make up um but yeah i feel like it is good for parents to fight in front of their kids because and, and it's good for parents to fight because if they just don't fight then i feel like that will lead to like longer like long long-term problems does that make sense um and i don't know i mean i don't really talk to my friends about <clears throat> their parents fighting um but I, I definitely know, like, when my friends know when something's up with their parents, like, between their parents. So, like, some of my friends' parents don't fight, so when they don't fight, my friends can still tell when something's not right because they'll just be, like, ignoring each other or, you know, something like that. And so I think, although, like, mum and dad's fights are pretty extreme because they both shout like crazy, I feel like, in a way, that's kind of... It's better because they kind of just get it out and, like, kind of just tell each other... They just get it out off their chest and everything and just let each other know how they're feeling, even if it's quite loud. And <laughs> they kind of get it all out of their system and then, like, they won't fight for ages and they'll kind of be, like, they'll just be bickering and stuff like that. Whereas I feel like if parents don't argue because they don't want to, like, fight in front of their kids, then it will just be, like... I mean, the kids will still know that something's up, even if the parents aren't arguing. We just won't verbalise it. Um... But yeah, I feel like with anyone, you know, it's it's like healthy to fight. So when my parents fight, especially now I'm older, I'm just like, oh, man, they're fighting. They'll make up soon. When you hear, yeah, parents shouting at each other, you just kind of like, you know, it's weird. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I'm glad that my parents argue and then get it over and done with and they're really good at making up again after, even if it takes a while, um, rather than just letting it kind of have this awkward you know, feeling around the house. Um, and I'm also surprised that there haven't been that many arguments, well, that I know of during lockdown. There's been one massive blow-up and apparently one the other day, but I was fast asleep. But um, <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't argued more, to be honest. But, yeah, I think it is good for... I I'm glad that my parents argue in front of me. And when I say that, I mean that they just shout at each other a lot and then leave. <laughs> Um, yeah, I also feel like it's good for... It's kind of good learning for the kids as well because then they kind of know, like, when they're in a... Like, when I've been in relationships, when I'm kind of, like, getting, we're both getting annoyed with each other, we'll just, like, argue it out and then we're, like, fine after rather than just, like, keeping it all in and then it affecting us in the future. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. So 
um, thank you, as ever, guys, for getting in touch. And I have a question here from Rachel44 from Epsom. Oh, that's where my mum is from. Um, I love the Epsom Downs. Remember that as a kid, going to watch the horses on Epsom Downs. Anyway, mm. I've gone off on one there. Yeah. Um, uh, Rachel says, my husband and I are both stubborn characters. Before lockdown, we both had discussions about things, disagreements, nothing out of the ordinary. But I'm certainly not the shy type and neither is he. During lockdown, gradually, we started bickering more and more. It increased to the point where we were having full-blown arguments over nothing at all. Uh, for example, I had a meltdown over his consistent failure... <laughs> To hang up tea towels, come on, Rachel, yeah. uh, to dry. And he had one about me leaving finished toilet rolls beside the toilet rather than in the bin. Just got rid of three of those myself, Rachel. I, I am the only Don't one start. who changes the toilet rolls. Do not say that, Mark. I am. I do it every Mark, time. Mark, I've had enough. We noticed that it started to affect our kids. They started asking if we were all right, whether we were unhappy with our relationship, and most recently, whether we were splitting up. Oh, bless Aww. them. So on, so in response, we decided that when things came to a head, one of us would go out for a walk and blow off steam, except this lead led to another issue. Oh, called my husband takes the distancing rules and hygiene with a pinch of salt. However, I think it's really important. So when he's been going out for a walk, he comes back, washes his hands for five seconds, sometimes without soap, dries them on a tea towel, which he usually leaves in a heap on the floor on a clean surface in the kitchen. This is this is difficult stuff. We've all had a bit of this, haven't we, since lockdown? I've seen him too close to people when t taking deliveries, talking to neighbours and walking past people. So obviously that's been a pretty big and ongoing argument between us. Until two weeks ago, when guess what? He got COVID. Oh, no. And then we all had to stay in the house for 14 days. Oh, no. I get that this is a hard time for relationships and I'm sure many are strained like ours is at the moment, but without wanting to seem needlessly sexist, if my husband is anything to go by, men seem to think that they can just do whatever they want. Didn't work out well this time, did it, husband? Oh, she's very angry. Rachel, Well, that's I, very tough. Can I just say something? There is, there is. A, I don't know what you call it, there's a new sort of uh, syndrome in lockdown with coronavirus where I literally want to grab some people's by the head, but I won't because I'm observing the social distance, and say to them, what the fuck don't you understand about social distancing? It's infuriating when you just see people just drift towards people. They just drift towards you. So I can yeah, get I her frustration. Off. Yeah, I can. I, I can, can totally really get that frustration. It. But then, of course, him getting ill. I bet there's been a moment there where she's, well, not fucking surprising you got ill. Well, she just kind of said that. Yeah. At the end. Uh, and I do think, it, it, I, you know, I really sympathise because I think, the you know, any bad row, <laughs> for example, when I was a kid, every row I thought led to every breakup because it did. <laughs> Mm. Everyone was breaking up left, right, and centre. Mm. My mum's relationships were going coming in and going out the door. Sometimes three in a day. And is so, that why you always think we're breaking up? Every yes, time for me, around. a row is a terrible, terrible thing. Even though we have terrible rows, they are as traumatic to me as they were when I was a child. For me, they can be cataclysmic, and it can be the end of everything. And often, words are said in them which are the end of everything. So I can really relate to the kids in that situation. It's really hard, and it, it really makes me want to just double down on the advice we were giving earlier, which is really sit down with your kids and explain mm. to them that everyone rows and mm. you know the smallness of the in mm. issues around the tea towels and the toilet rolls yeah and loving someone doesn't mean that you're not going to get really pissed off with them sometimes mm. and not like them sometimes it's really okay to say i think as long as you always put ahead of that i love your mum or i love your dad but at the moment he's driving me mad yeah and i have to confess i could absolutely throttle you for the fact that every time I go into the bathroom, there is an empty toilet roll Mark, on the toilet Mark, holder. And I have to change Mark, I really, really... Single... You don't want me to stop revealing things about you. Stop it. <laughs> Malcolm, 39, from Birmingham. Lockdown is a pressure cooker. No shit, Malcolm. We don't have a garden. We live in a two-bedroom flat with a newborn. Oh, my God. We did the first few weeks with my girlfriend expecting, and then during lockdown, we've gone into labour and had the baby in hospital. Oh, congratulations. Been, yeah, congratulations. I've been at home learning our new normal. 
the stress of going into hospital with the disease so prevalent mm. in the media and in the hospital itself was indescribable. You're left with blind hope that everything will be okay. We've been taking this stress out on each other too much and arguing more. Despite all the books we've both read on the importance of harmony at home during pregnancy and the first weeks of our son's life, we haven't been able to keep a lid on it. We both worry about the emotional effect this may have on our newborn son. And after each argument comes the horrible guilt of the potential damage we could have done. Oh, I just can't wait to be beyond these four walls and out in the world. But on the limited times I've left the flat since lockdown, the wider public cannot be trusted to maintain a safe distance or even cover their mouths when coughing. It's just too risky. Too many people don't follow the rules. It means that despite the rules being eased, we're still stuck inside as it's just not safe to go out. The cycle of arguments continues, and ultimately, I fear for our mental well-being. Oh, oh God, so many things in there. It's so newborn hard. Newborn baby. Because it is so hard when you have a newborn baby, and the fear. I mean, I remember coming home and just thinking, what am I supposed to do with this baby? And that's tenfold at the moment, isn't it? But Absolutely. I think if you just... I mean, we're not an advice podcast, but just hearing that, we've been through this, you know, we've been through having babies and rowing a lot and feeling tense. And at the end of the day, the only way through it is to sit down and communicate with each other. Mm. And if it's too difficult at the moment to do that, and I know I say this a lot, but I really do think it's a good bit of advice, write a text, write a letter, write a note, find some way to, to reach out to each other and say how you're really feeling with no blame. Yeah. Take out the sentence, you make me feel. As soon as you say that, it's an incendiary device. Mm. Everything blows up. I'm left feeling. We we are maybe both feeling. Maybe we could, da, da, da. How do we think yeah. that we could, all those, that, that, I mean, that's cost us thousands of pounds, guys. That's the sort of stuff we're you are giving you that for nothing. We get that from our couple's counselling and it does work. And what I would suggest is to do the timer where you time, you give each other a minute on the timer and you just let the other one speak without butting in and without saying anything. And it's and that's a really good way to reconnect if you're having problems with that. And I just wanted to say something that we mentioned in the very intro, which is, you know, sometimes the very, the pressure cooker, as you describe, Malcolm, is can be the very act of just trying not to row or for mm. things to not blow up and that mm. creates the, the blow very up. Problem. And I think the other added sort of uh sort of element to being a new a new family and having a newborn baby. I mean I I'm all, I was always struck with the four girls that I've had around this sort of tyranny of perfection that surrounds everything surrounding birth and babies you know flaunted everywhere is the perfect way to give birth the perfect way to breastfeed the perfect way to be and I think the really important thing we'd say from our experience and my experience in other parts of my life is try not to strive for perfection don't over concentrate on how you're not doing it the way you thought you should do it because actually probably the myth that you've signed up to of how it should be is an absolute myth it's it's fictional and you're working your way through as all parents work their way through um you know and i do think there is a real pressure to be perfect and not row and not stress and sit there with a benign smile on your face whilst this child munches on your partner's boobs and it's absolute agony you know it's all right for it to be agony in lots of different ways so don't you know don't be striving for perfection that's it for this episode of confessions of a modern parent if you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today we'd love you to get in touch use the hashtag confessions of a modern parent if you want to find me on twitter it's at nadia sawala and on instagram it's at nadia sawala and family and if you fancy getting in touch with me it's at mark underscore adderley thank you so much for listening if you like the show please subscribe rate and review tell your friends and get involved and you can hear more episodes of confessions of a modern parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>